It is good to be with you this morning. Um, it's a blessing and a privilege to bring the Word of God to you this morning. I know that uh, every week that I've had a chance to be in this pulpit, uh, I praise God for a congregation and a community that would allow me and give me this opportunity. So, um, And as Wayne mentioned last week, the opportunity to invest in the future, develop younger leadership. I am like tangible evidence to you guys that you guys are doing this. So <laughs> I'm really grateful. God's got to give me some strength this morning. Pastor Wayne just finished a uh, series last week, or yeah, three-week series called Life Together. And since uh, his sermon series, I've been so blessed in just dwelling uh, in the points that he brought up about biblical foundations for a community, um, especially community here at East Parkway, uh, and the practical applications of what we can do to cultivate that community here. A series that we just got done through encouraged us to be a community in community, a community in prayer, and then a community on mission. And last week, talking about mission, we talked about cultivating a culture of invitation. Today, I want to go deeper into what that looks like, into the need of sharing the gospel in the context of the individual. Um, Pastor Wayne said last week in regards to inviting people to church and sharing the gospel that we don't need more information, uh, but what we need is inspiration. And I really like that. Um, I think we need inspiration, motivation, and a huge reminder of our responsibility to bringing the gospel to others. And what a better well to draw from for inspiration and motivation than the gospel. Last week, about community, us together. Um, today, so, so today I want to take about, talk about the personal side of things, uh, personal side of the equation, with this large goal of developing this uh, culture of invitation I want all of us to realize today, at the end of this sermon, that it starts with each of us in our own hearts. My heart needs to want to share the gospel more. Your heart and your heart and your heart all need to want to share the gospel more. And so today we're going to look at the Apostle Paul as someone who is an example, who lived his life uh, on mission, who fostered uh, a culture of invitation and who bared the burden of needing to preach the gospel to everyone he came in contact with. So we're in Romans today, Romans 1. And just a little bit, little bit of background, we see here that in uh, Romans, uh, the life of Paul, and Paul is writing to the Christian church in Rome. Now Paul has never been to Rome before. Um, but he's reaching out to the church to share the gospel and to share that he has a heart for the people there. Um, and I think that's, and the fact that he's never connected with them before, that he's never uh, been there, I think says something. That even as I started preparing and reading through Romans 1, it just struck me that uh, he, had, he has no relationship with them other than that they are the church of Christ. And so he wants to share the gospel with them. But the deeper reason why he is writing to these Christians in Rome is to get them to come together uh, and for the plans that he has to reach Spain. He knows that he needs the Church of Rome to come together uh, because uh, without them, without their support, without their common, uh, without them coming together over the gospel, he'll never get to Spain. He needs them to be his home base. Um, so he's got, he wants to reach the Romans, yes, but he's got further plans of spreading the gospel. He's got ambitions to go elsewhere. 
So Paul has this burning passion that the people of Rome come to be saved, that they be united in the gospel. We see throughout his letter, the book of Romans, his theme that the gospel is God's power for salvation because it shows us that the righteousness of God uh, shows us that the righteousness of God is through faith for all who believe. And Paul explains over and over again the need for justification through faith because of our sin. And he goes on to explain the results of faith in both, in both present experience and the future hope that we can look forward to. And at the end of Romans, he concludes this letter to, uh, by describing how the gospel should affect uh, one's everyday life. And I want to focus on three verses at the very beginning of Romans that I think do the exact same thing. Paul certainly qualifies as someone who was inspired and motivated to share the gospel. There was a burning passion, a fire within him, a pure desire that revolved around God and resulted in the pouring out of the gospel on everyone around him. And we, too, are called to have that burning desire, a passion for Christ, which is an active one, not a passive faith. A passion for Christ that is bold, that is forthright, that is burdened with the weight of sharing the profound, life-saving truth um, that we know, we want others to know. And so my point this morning is that each of us carry and bear responsibility to sharing the, the gospel. Each of us carry and bear responsibility to sharing the gospel. This passage, Romans 1, 14 through 16, uh, that I'm about to read is, is lean and mean. There's not a lot around the points uh, in these verses. They're pretty short. But, but what there is, I want to dig through um, And so I just want to go verse by verse this morning, open up these points that Paul shares with us about himself, um, so that as we talk about being inspired to share the gospel, it's coming right from the gospel. So let's read Romans 14 through 16. Paul says, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Let me pray, and then we'll continue. God, we come before you this morning with humble hearts, Lord, uh, recognizing that we are in need of you. All of us equally are in need of you. And so we just pray that you would speak through your word this morning, wherever people are, Lord, that it would would hit them, that it would reach them. God, that you would reveal yourself um, in a way that shows us that you are God, that uh, you love us, that you have come to save us, points out our sin, and draws us closer to you. And God, I pray that uh, you would fill me with your confidence and humility as Uh, And give me the words to say this morning. Um, But we love you, Lord. We we, we really do love you. And we're thankful for this opportunity to come together and hear from your word. And so we pray this in your son's name. Amen. All right. Verse by verse. Follow along with me here. Verse 14. I am under the obligation both to the Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Uh, Right at the beginning, he says, I am under obligation. An obligation can seem like a weird word talking about the faith. It can seem, uh, to me, obligation holds a negative connotation. Obligation is something I use describing something that I have to do, but I don't really want to do it. I would say I'm obligated to do it. And um, 
So Paul saying he's obligated about the gospel uh, may seem a little bit odd. Uh, but Pastor Lawson, uh, expositor of our time, who is a great influence to me, uh, describes it in this way. He, he says that the... Um, points out that obligation has some financial, the word used for obligation, has financial roots to it. So uh, obligation could also refer to a debt, that someone has a, a debt to someone. And in the biblical sense, debts, and should be for us today, are very serious. We, uh, when in debt, we are called to do everything we can to get out of debt. And so there's a burden, there's a weight to this. And that's the word that Paul used here is obligation. Um, and he's obligated not just to the Greeks and the barbarians, but he's, there's a two-way obligation here. Um, and, and I want to go back to these financial terms. Think about it in this way. Let's say that someone on this side of the room, let's say Ross. Ross gave me some money, and he said, I'm going to give you $50, and I need you to give it to Jeff over here. I am now under obligation to Ross, and I'm also under obligation to Jeff. And if I fail in any way, I have failed two people, not just one. And I think that's what Paul is saying right here. When he's saying that he's obligated, he's obligated from God, who he received salvation from. And he's obligated to give, to share the gospel uh, to the people around him. And so this obligation carries weight and it carries a burden of being in debt almost to two people. He's in debt to God and he's in debt to, in this case, both to Greeks and to barbarians, the wise and the foolish, uh, to share the gospel, that something that he received from God. And it could also be off-putting to that uh, he's using the word obligation in reference to salvation, which we know as a gift. We know that salvation is a gift to us. We can't ever do anything for it. We've never done anything to earn it. It is a gift to us. And so how are we in debt to Christ for something that was just freely given? Um, but again, it goes back to the fact that this obligation is to two people. So we owe uh, the people, Paul owes the people around him uh, the gospel. He has to share the gospel. Um, and this is what Paul, uh, yeah, he, he <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm catching up in my notes here. I got ahead of myself. When we read that Paul is under obligation, we see the seriousness and the heaviness in Paul's mindset that he is trying to communicate when writing to the Romans, that he is passionate, he has a burning desire to be spreading the gospel because he must. It's not an option for him, it's a charge to him. And it's the same to us believers today. He goes on to say in verse 14, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. And this is Paul's way of saying everyone. I owe everyone the gospel uh, the Greeks at the time were known for being the most educated, the philosophers, the thinkers. They were at the top of the totem pole. Um, the barbarians, on the other hand, were at the opposite end of the totem pole. Uh, they even get their name barbarians um, from the fact that when they talked, it sounded like bar, 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 which just means that it was uneducated. It wasn't even worth listening to. Um, so... Paul is kind of encapsulating here. He's like, and he says, he follows up with both to the wise and to the foolish. So he's saying everyone, no matter what uh, your social status, you need the gospel. And what I love here is that he's saying, he puts everyone on an equal playing field. Uh, no matter how educated you are or in the world's eyes, how low you are, uh, you're a sinner and you need Christ. You need him. And so Paul's intent is to preach the gospel to all of them. Everyone is in equal need of the gospel. 
That is verse 14. He's obligated, and he's obligated to everyone. Verse 15. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Paul is eager. Let's talk about this eagerness. This word used for eager here in the Greek context implies this mental picture of a runner uh, leaning forward. Um, you guys can all imagine like track meet or the Olympic track, and you see those people lining up, and they get in their stance, down on their hands, and uh, their feet are behind them, and they're ready so that when that gun goes off, uh, they're already in the most, you know, the best motion to give them momentum to go forward as fast as they can. Now imagine at that same race at a track meet, someone who is standing tall, <coughs> flat-footed, just like this, while everyone is around them. You can imagine that they are not probably communicate to you that they don't really want to run this race and that they're not very eager to be running. Um, and so that when Paul says, I am eager to preach, it's this idea that he's leaning forward. He's already ready to bring the gospel to the people. And that's, there's a reason that Paul uses this word eager, eager right after obligation. Not only is he obligated, he has responsibility, but there's an eagerness to preach the gospel in that responsibility. It's not something that he has this burden and this responsibility, this weight of sharing the gospel, and he doesn't really want to. It's something He's not using obligated as in, I have to do it, but I don't really want to. He follows it up with, I am eager. I'm ready. Send me. This word eager, the root word, also conveys a passion, uh, a heavy breathing like a bull before charging. And I love that picture, a bull before charging. as well. I don't know, seen that in the cartoons or something, but they're revving up, their paws are going, and sometimes the smoke comes out of their nostrils, and they are ready to charge. And that is also what is being communicated here by Paul saying, I'm eager to preach. I'm, I'm revving up. I'm, I'm not flat-footed. I am ready, and I want to. That's some serious eagerness. This eagerness, this eagerness is not just words spoken about wanting to do something. We can all easily say in conversation, or even now we've sat in, a, in the pews and said, hear, heard about the gospel and said to ourselves or said to others, I really want to do that. Um, but it's more just lip service, just saying those things. Um, and it's more than that. Um, this verse communicates Paul giving this imagery already moving forward because he's already doing that. And it says... In verse 15, to you also who are in Rome. He's already been preaching. He is preaching. He's continuously preaching. That word also clues us into that. He's not just sitting at home doing nothing or, uh, you know, waiting to share the gospel. He is sharing the gospel, and he wants to continue to share the gospel elsewhere. Paul is stressing the mentality and the mindset that we as Christians should have eagerly obligated to spread the gospel. Now I've heard um, when it says to preach the gospel, I'm eager to preach the gospel. I think we need to hear that. We as Christians need to hear that more. Uh, And it's different than living the gospel, which is also necessary and is something that we as Christians should do. But I've heard some people use living the gospel in, uh, as equal to preaching the gospel. And I do not think that they are the same things. I've heard the phrase living the gospel used almost as a way to justify doing less. Uh, avoid the harder action of sharing the gospel by just living the gospel. If I just live a Christian life, people will see that and I don't really need to, to share. I don't need to 
talk to them about God. And then some people say, you know, we don't all have the evangelistic gift, so sharing the gospel isn't really a reality for them. And I've been guilty in the past of falling into that and just saying, it's exactly right. I don't have that evangelistic gift, so sweet, I'm off the hook. I'll just live the gospel. But Paul says here, eager to preach the gospel. And he does that very purposefully. All of us should be eager, should be ready to share the gospel, to share, to share the saving truth of our Savior Jesus Christ. Paul is preaching and living it, but he's definitely preaching it. And then the verse ends with, uh, You also who are in Rome. And this shows that Paul's been preaching elsewhere, like I said. Uh, but Rome is important too. And Rome is important because at this time in the world, Rome is the epicenter of culture. It is the Roman Empire at the time. And Rome, the capital of the known world, the known empire, is uh, where everything is happening. The trends are happening. The uh, worldly culture is being grown there in Rome. And Paul wants to go to the heart of it. He wants to go straight to the heart of the world at the time and share the gospel. He wants to be in the thick of it. And in this, uh, I don't know if Paul meant to, but I think that we can look at it now. And it draws examples. Uh, it's the opposite of what someone else did in the Bible. And that person being Jonah. Jonah was called by God, bore the responsibility of sharing the gospel, and ran the other way. He was not eager. He was, not, he was the flat-footed guy. He was probably even just walking away from that track meet. He wasn't even ready to run. Um, and Paul is, gives us an image that is opposite, saying, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready to run. If you send me, when you call me, God. And he's been saying that. He's been trying to go for a while. Earlier in this, in this chapter, he's been trying to go to Rome, uh, but God hasn't brought him there yet. But Paul is the opposite of Jonah, and we want to be like Paul. We don't want to be like Jonah. All right. Then we come to verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Paul starts this verse off by saying that he is not ashamed. Why the words, not ashamed? It's the question I ask myself. And this, in some ways, is a double negative. And I think Paul is very purposeful in using this double negative. It's a double negative in the sense that... Uh, Paul is taking something negative, the feeling of being ashamed, and then putting a knot in front of it. So he's canceling out that negative feeling, and he's doing this to emphasize and make more powerful what he's trying to communicate. Uh, instead of saying the op, here's what I'm trying to say. Paul could have said, I'm excited for the gospel. We would all agree, and we would all probably say that today. We're all excited for the gospel. But there's something about saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel that says something differently. It turns the ashamed feeling into a bold, firm, strong feeling that no matter what the influence is, no matter what the circumstances, I'm not just excited, but I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It communicates more. It communicates, communicates a strength that is unwavering. And in the context of going to Rome, this epicenter of the world, of the culture of the world at the time, the people, the church in Rome needed to hear that, that they couldn't be ashamed of the gospel. 
And he says, Paul's not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. Paul says that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. And this is so true. There is power in this word. Uh, There is power in the gospel. Dr. Lawson says, The gospel has the power to blow sin out of the water. In fact, you can't receive the gospel and not be radically transformed. It's impossible. The gospel has power. Old things are torn down within. New things put in place. We are given a new heart, a new mind, a new will, a new priority, new pursuits, and a new destiny. All of that happens when we encounter the gospel and accept salvation from Christ. This is the power of God. For it is the power of God for salvation. And then it says, to everyone who believes. Salvation, the word salvation means being saved from sin. To be rescued uh, by God, but not only just by God, but from God. Do we realize this? That we are being saved by God from God's wrath? And it is only God who can save us from God. We are rescued by God in his infinite love and mercy from God who would otherwise send us to eternal damnation and justice. Everyone needs to be rescued. And this is another reason why Paul is so pumped up, so energized, so driven, so passionate, because he's eager to see more people saved and saved by God. And then Paul ends this verse with the phrase, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And this is another way of just saying everyone. Uh, It's to distinguish between people's different religious beliefs. In verse 14, when it says, Greeks and barbarians, wise and foolish, Paul is distinguishing between different social classes. And now he's addressing the people on a religious level. No matter where you come from, no matter what higher power you believed in, no matter what culture you came from and what religion that culture had, there is only one way, and it is God. Everyone needs Christ. Salvation is for all, but it's only from Christ. It's only through God. And so in here we have 14 through 16, Paul's three I am's. I am obligated, I am eager, and I am not ashamed. This passage, this passage fits so well with what God has been doing in my life recently. And that's why I think I was so drawn to preaching to it. Not only was I drawn, but there was really no other option. I could not think of any other passage to preach from. But even in this past couple weeks, and this past week specifically, God has continually brought a situation or a person before me that needs to hear the goodness of God's love. They needed to hear the gospel. And there's no better immediate application that I could think of as I'm preparing to preach uh, than actually being obligated, being eager, uh, and not being ashamed, than to have someone show up at the door of the church downstairs or call on the phone or come to our apartment and and, and need to share the gospel with them. Someone who needed to hear how good God is, who needed to hear in their brokenness that God is healer, uh, in their feeling of loss that God is the ultimate compensation, that God's love is sufficient for all and covers all. Everyone needs to hear that or be reminded of that at times. And God was teaching me, as I was preparing for this sermon, just how essential these I am's of Paul are and how they need to be essential for all of us 
all the time, not just those who are called to the pulpit, not just those who are called to lead a ministry, but as Christians, we need to embrace these I am's. And so now I want to take this and turn the perspective towards us um, in our hearts. What Paul has written here, his I am's, they need to be our I am's with a little of adjustment, of course. We may not all be called to go to Rome. So I want to change these to you are's for a moment. And I want to ask, can you say these things about yourself? You, church, are obligated to the gospel. You are in debt, not just to God who you receive salvation from, uh, but to those around you in your life, wherever God has planted you. uh, You have the burden of sharing the gospel with them. We need to carry that weight on our minds and on our hearts. And we have a responsibility. It's not optional for us. We need to share the gospel. And secondly, we have to be eager about it. You need to be eager. We, I need to be eager too. Are we eager or are we content on the sidelines? Do we stand there at that track meet instead of getting ready and down in position to run as fast as we can? Do we want to be called upon or are we avoiding eye contact with God so as not to have him call on us so that you guys all know what I'm talking about, right? In class when you... you teacher would ask something and you're just kind of like, oh, they don't see me. Lauren can probably testify. Those are the people that got, you know, they get called on even more. (laughs) But is that us? Are we trying to avoid eye contact with God so as not to have to share the gospel? Being eager, it looks like not praying in that moment when we see someone or God brings someone along our path. Uh, Praying in that moment, God, do you want me to share? Because we've already been praying that before that moment even came. That's the eagerness that Paul is talking about here. And it's a trust when we are eager to trust that God will provide the words, the confidence, and the way in which to say it. Luke 12, 12 says, Do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So Jesus is telling us, just be ready, be willing, and I'll give you the words. I'll help you share the gospel. Dr. Lawson makes the point that the eagerness we see here in Romans um, of wanting to go to Rome is something that we have to do today in our own areas. And so where, uh, where's our Rome? Could Rome be right here where we are? Could Rome be Granite Bay, Roseville, Rockland, Lincoln, Citrus Heights, Citrus, Citrus Heights, Fair Oaks, or El Dorado Hills, where lives of pleasure and status dominate how people live. Could it be at work or at your school, at your universities, at home, in your family? Could that be where God is calling you to go and share the gospel? We need to be eager and ready wherever God calls us. And then, you need to be not ashamed. Realize it's not up to you. It's not the presentation of the gospel that changes lives, but the power of the Holy Spirit that reaches in and changes hearts. Open their eyes and opens their eyes to, the, to see their need for salvation. Don't let the hesitation of being perceived uh, 
of, of the perceived embarrassment that could come from talking about God keep you from sharing the gospel. Our lack of action can say something hugely negative and misleading about the God we claim to serve and love. I've also come to realize that there are many moments where I may have been ashamed of the gospel or try to justify not sharing my faith. And what I've realized is that that feeling comes from selfishness. It comes from not wanting to put myself in an uncomfortable position, not wanting whoever it is to view me in maybe a weird way or being that Christian. But at the root of these thoughts is that I am the center of the world. It revolves around me, and I am who matters most in that moment. So if I'm going to be embarrassed, it's not worth it to share the gospel. And even just saying it, I can feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit uh, helping me realize how far that is from the truth. And there are certain memories that come up, the regret that I have of that was clearly someone that God brought in front of me, and I passed that up. I didn't say anything. Talked about whatever it was that they were talking about and avoided bringing up the gospel because I was too ashamed. And Paul demonstrates here when saying it and then throughout his ministry, the surrender that he has to being God's servant, giving away his selfish desires and saying, God, I'm yours. Use me in however way you want. Whatever it is, use me to further your kingdom. We can stop from sharing the gospel because we get intimidated of the situation. And sometimes this is because we think we need an amazing story. We need something, maybe our testimony or some... Maybe some of us aren't wordsmiths like Pastor Wayne. Um, he's a wordsmith, just wait. You'll, you'll recognize it one day. But sometimes we can get intimidated that we may, just, may not be able to share the gospel in an effective, convincing way. But like Jesus said in Luke 12, 12, that's not something for us to worry about. We just have to be willing. We have to be ready. We have to be eager to share the gospel. And God will give us the words to say or what not to say sometimes. We also have to remember that the word is power. We can trust that God will work through us. His word is revelation and his word will never fail us. That is such a comfort. His word will never fail us. There are a lot of things that we may take a stand for in life. And we'll have no shame in standing for that cause or fear. We won't fear what other people think of us when we take that stand. For instance, maybe political views. Uh, maybe what sports team is better than another. Uh, maybe movie preferences and show preferences. Uh, healthy living. And some of these seem really shallow. But... I know I'm convicted of this. I will go like to the T with someone. I will fight all out to get them to, to watch this movie. I'll be like, no, look, this is really good. You're going to love it. Just watch, give it a chance. And I have no fear of what people will think. I will live and die with that movie. I'll be like, look, if you don't like that movie, then we can't be friends. Look, okay? That's how important it is. I... <laughs> I wrote down to emphasize that you guys should all feel this, but I think you already feel that. You guys are laughing with me. I know I'm speaking truth here. We have no problem standing up and getting uh, riled up, standing our ground for something that really isn't worth it in the end. But do we have the same passion for the gospel? 
Do we really? Do you really have that confidence and eagerness to do just that? To stand your ground, not move, and put yourself on the line for the sake of the gospel? It's sad to hear what I just said when I say that, and I've done this. Uh, I've been eager to share my view on a team or why some you know, movie or show is so good. Uh, we're just talking, maybe I'll be talking conversation, and I'm half listening to what the other person is saying and half scheming of how to bring up something that I really want to share with them. And the conviction comes in, why isn't the gospel in that mix of things that I'm wanting to bring up? Why am I so eager to talk about the new season of Sherlock and not God? Or why the Kings had a great game last night, but not God? Why is the gospel not on my mind? Uh, Better yet, why is it not on the forefront of my mind to share? And so it's sad to hear because I know that uh, I haven't had this in the past. I haven't had that eagerness to bring up the gospel. And as I was preparing, and through this week, the things that God's been bringing me through, it was clear that that cannot be anymore in my life. At the beginning of this year, when the questions uh, you know, of goals and things that you're going to do in 2017 were going around, uh, God put a thought on my heart and on my mind uh, that I haven't been able to get away from and that's been growing ever since. Uh, Becky and I were talking with our Young Adults Life Group um, the first Tuesday of the year. And we asked the question, uh, what do you want to see more from, from God this year? How do you want to experience God this year? What I kept coming back to was the need to share the gospel. I wanted to see God's evangelistic work in my life, whether through me or around me. I just wanted to see God's evangelistic work, um, to be a witness to how that happens, to see it happening. Now, working in a church, I'm not surrounded by a ton of non-Christians, just meaning I don't work in a secular environment. There's people I need to hear the gospel every Sunday, every Wednesday night, but I'm not surrounded by a lot of non-Christians. And so I think God was pushing me towards to search for those opportunities to be eager, to pray about where is Rome, where do I need to go. Maybe it's Granite Bay High School, and God's already provided some ways for me to be there. Maybe, maybe it's a stranger that comes up to the door asking about God, which has happened, uh, or facing a tragic situation amongst family who doesn't believe, and I have the opportunity to share God's goodness in the midst of loss, which will happen in this coming week. All of these things God has placed in my lap, and I think very purposefully as I'm preaching on Romans 1, 14 through 16. Even in just specifically this past week, I was starting to pray as I was reading over and over this. I started praying daily, God, use me for your kingdom. I want to be like Paul. I want to be used for God's kingdom. And I know that that's an open-ended prayer because who, who knows what that means from God, how I would be used for his kingdom. Uh, but I wanted to be ready to be eager for whatever God would bring into my path. And I kid you not, every day, God brought something. God brought a person along that needed to hear the gospel and how God forgives and how his forgiveness covers all. And I got to share with them how good God is and how much, how much he loves them. 
And then God brought another person along who needed to be reminded of our obligation to follow Christ and to have him at the center of our life. And then God brought me to this retreat for the last two days up in Nevada City for a group of college students who are going overseas uh, later this semester. And Becky and I are on that on, on one of those teams. And um, God presented the opportunity just to be a source of encouragement um, and to come together over the... We are, we're coming together to share the gospel in other countries but how important it is that we are all already the team be centered around the gospel now before we even leave. So it's been one thing after the other. Come Friday, Friday morning, uh, when I got the call that my grandfather had passed away, I was kind of laughing and smiling, praying, God, why is every day that I get down to stu- like prepare for this sermon to write something, that something happens? Um, and there was a piece still that God was just doing that to emphasize just how much I need to be these I am's in my life. I need to be eager. I need to, be, I need to recognize that I'm obligated. And I can't be ashamed. God just didn't want me to read this passage. He wanted me to live it this week. And not just live it, but from verse 15 to preach his truth. I can't tell you how much joy it's brought me in the midst of exhaustion, weariness, sorrow. God has sustained me. He's grown me and shown me his love and power over and over again and the need that people have for Jesus. And I say that just to share that I'm only one or two weeks into kind of embracing these I am's, but God has already brought me so many opportunities to share the gospel. Like I said at the beginning here in this passage, Paul is exemplifying to us the need we have to share the gospel, even with people we've never met. He has never been to Rome before, but it didn't stop him from sharing the gospel with them. In my mind, I don't have any excuses anymore. I can't justify passing up an opportunity. I can't justify it. I can't justify why I shouldn't bring up God in a conversation. I'm under obligation to God and to them. I've always gone to this default setting in my mind that I can best minister through people through my relationship with them. Even until recently, I've said that, that my relationship is my best witness. If I befriend them, if I am loving to them, that is me sharing the gospel. And that may still be true, that that is my strength uh, and what I would prefer but I've also realized I have to, I have to talk. I've got to open up my mouth and share the truth. I don't want to undermine the gospel by my timidness, by opportunities I pass up because I'm uncomfortable. I want to say on the last day with Christ that I was not ashamed. So in closing... I'll just repeat it back to you, what I've said this whole time, what Paul says here. Like I said, these are very lean and mean, but so, so good. Recognize your obligation to, to God and to others to share the gospel. Be eager to share, leaning forward, not being caught flat-footed, or trying to avoid the opportunity. And do not be ashamed, for there is power in the gospel and the story of Christ. The greatest story ever told is made up by the power of Christ. 
Live a life that reflects these things so that when you stand before God, you can say that you were living under obligation, that you were eager to share the gospel, and you were not ashamed. Amen? Let's pray. God, we, we really do need you in every moment, in every hour. And God, I pray that you would help us to understand the responsibility that we bear to you and to others. God, that you would help us to see the world around us the way that you see it, that there are people uh, who are broken, and that you are the only answer for them, that you are the only one who can mend their heart that can save them, God. Save them from you, from your judgment that is to come. And God, that's on us. We have to share. God, I pray that we would feel that conviction uh, that when in conversation or when interacting with people, that we can't pass up opportunities to share the gospel. And I pray that we would all be praying, that we would be eager, that we would be praying these things even before the opportunity comes uh, in our morning and our night. God, that we'd be praying that you would bring these opportunities along. And God, I also pray for confidence for all of us that we don't have to have it perfectly thought out. We don't have to have every word that we're going to say um, memorized, but God, that we would trust in you and lean on you in those moments when we need to share. And God, I pray that you know, this bigger idea of this community being one that is about invitation. So I pray that as we recognize our individual responsibility, uh, that we as a church would see that change happen. Um, new people being brought to church, but more importantly, to you. We love you, Lord. We give all this to you, Lord. We pray that you would be honored and glorified in our lives. Amen.